Every single day, people take unwanted or unused items to thrift in antique stores across the country. But as the saying goes, one man's trash is another man's treasure, and we are here to prove it. We are here to help you identify valuable things before you throw them away. Join us as we show and tell of treasures found and sold by a full-time reseller with the hopes of helping you find some treasures of your own. Welcome to the What's Sold podcast. Welcome back to the What's Sold podcast. As always, I am your friend Brandon with my friend Matt Brock, otherwise known as Rusty, the madman reseller out there kicking bins. <laughs> just selling things. And that's right. Just uh, driving around the countryside, finding finding those treasures. I, I just imagine you and your pickup truck driving around <laughs> with your hat on. It's like, hey, howdy, that folks. Exactly. I'm here to look at your yep, stuff. They see me coming. I love it. I, that is fantastic. <laughs> hey, it's our boy, Rusty. He's in the house. Uh, uh, for those of you, we are not making fun of the beautiful uh, lilting accents of Western North Carolina. I love them. I bemoan the fact that so much of our country no longer has these beautiful regional dialects. Yeah, but um, there is definitely a Western North Carolina accent so uh it is we are not ever poking fun at the good people of the south no no it's if anything i I mean i'm making the character is that's exactly what it is it's a character it's meant to be an exaggerated thing right it's a yeah it's a it's a caricature of an amount you know a lot of different types of people and made to be ridiculous so it's clearly much different than what what a person around here is like but for good reason. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, it's interesting as people, I think people relate to Rusty because Rusty is non-threatening. Rusty's just your friend and he's not trying to rob you. He's just out there looking for exactly deals. Exactly right. And he wants to help you find them too. He just wants to share it with you, uh, which is, I can attest, that's what you're all about. I'm excited. I actually just got done editing a couple of shows. And when we record these, obviously we're thinking about a million different sure. things and I'm on the soundboard and stuff. But I was listening, I was like, all the cool stuff that you go out and find. Now I know that you're showing us the great stuff, but it is it I was like, man, I, I'm gonna go find a pocket watch. Yeah. So uh it's it's very cool. I'm excited about what you have to show this week. Uh, we will say that uh, that uh Matt keeps me in the dark, which I like. We don't really typically share what he's gonna talk about. That way I am genuinely surprised, just like our listeners are surprised. So what do you have for us today, Matt? So I'm going to start off by showing just a couple of of things and I don't want I don't want these to always be talking about the same types of things. However, the reality is I'm selling a lot of the same types of things. I'm finding the same things I'm selling and I by that I mean small items, things that can fit in small boxes or bubble mailers or things, jewelry, postcards, various yeah. things because mm-hmm. that makes sense for what I can find and I know I can make good money on them. And so the two things I'll show today that sold and then uh, teaser, we're going to get into talking about shipping. So this is this episode is going to be a little bit more about some of the nuts and bolts and nitty-gritty of this doing this oh. and shipping items out and what that looks like. But two things that sold that I am going to be shipping off the next day or two. One thing is and this is a bizarre, not a not a perfect representation of what I'm usually buying, but this is a pocket watch chain. It's a vintage oh. piece. It has a little clasp. Uh, you would be considered like a claw clasp, not unlike what would be on a necklace or a bracelet at the top. And then usually with these vintage or antique pocket watch fobs or chains, you're going to have either a loop, a hoop, 
or like a little bar that would go into a hoop to hold it together or another little like a circular or a claw clasp. And so the the purpose of these was to hold a pocket watch on one end and on the other end, it was going to be fastened somehow onto your person, on your belt, on a loop on your belt, your pocket, uh, a vest pocket if you were wearing a vest or a jacket. This one's bizarre because the chain that comes down is very fine, almost like a necklace. And it also has kind of like, a, a, you've, you've seen those, do you know those old keychains that have just like little round ball bearings all yeah. the way through it? You know what yeah. I'm talking about? Mm -hmm. So that is what this looks like. It's strange. Now, the reason like this has any value is because it has a small stamp by the clasp that says 925. And I know that that means it's sterling silver. So it's not just a base piece of metal. It's a, it's a metal that is in, you know, medium to higher grade fine jewelry. And then there's, it's a gold color. And so it actually has a small layer of gold on it. So it would be what a person would describe as gold over sterling. So they wanted it to have a gold appearance, a gold look, but they didn't want to spend the money on gold to actually make it. So they, they still made it with a semi-fine material. It's silver. Point is... I bought this for $5 out at an antique store, and I sold it for $50. So a decent little flip there. Nice, nice. And it looks like the kind of thing that the fancy gentleman with this, the stick pin would be wearing as well. Oh, yeah. And I mean, I know you're my stick pin guy. So uh, <laughs> if, you need to, if you need to move over into uh, the world of pocket watch chains and fobs, you just got to let me know. Man. Oh, I'm in, dude. I am 100% <laughs> into the world of pocket watch and chains. So. When you go out and you're looking for, like, you see these things, you just do your research right then and there to figure out if it's, like, something worth getting? Yeah. I mean, a lot of it is I'm drawing on experience of buying and selling you in the past, but everything I approach, I approach in the same way. I know that on pieces of jewelry, for example, if it's a brooch, I need to look on the back where the pin is yeah. and around the metal to see if there's a maker mark or a purity mark indicating that it's of some sort of finer material. Same thing on necklaces, bracelets. The clasps are usually where these makers put the purity mark or they they brand it. Uh, Higher-end brands, most of the time, not always, they want you to know who made it. Like, you know, they yeah. don't want you to confuse their piece with someone else's. So they're going to put their logo, their trademark, their name, something like that on it. I have bought and sold a lot of old pocket watch fobs and chains. And even though wearing pocket watches is not nearly as common as it was in the late eight, you know, 1800s and early 1900s, people still, there's still a big collector base for those. And you, you can, I can sell them for a good amount. I, I sold one yesterday that I only paid $2 for. It was kind of, it was stainless steel. It was clearly newer, probably made in the last 20 or 30 years. Still sold it for $30. I sold it in a day. It wasn't even hard. So I'm just, I approach these things by knowing where to inspect. But yes, I have a computer in my pocket, like most people do now. And if you know how to search in Google, if you know how to take a picture and load it in to, uh, you know, an app like your, your, your Chrome app or Google or in eBay, which is where I sell majority of my things online, you can, it, that, it, that search engine will search on your behalf and pop up things that are similar. It's not perfect. You know, it's not going to always find the right thing, but it will give you an idea. It just aids in your search. So I'll show you one more thing that I, I just sold. This is a necklace. It's fairly basic. It is a pretty dainty flat. Uh, this would be considered, they would call this type of a link or a chain a herringbone. So it's very, very flat. Yeah. Right? And uh, at the bottom of it is a single little pendant that is in the shape of a cross. It's like a, a crucifix here. I bought these actually 
in two separate places. In both cases, and this is not always the case, but in both of these cases, both the pendant and the necklace, the person selling it to me or the company or the the, the thrift store or whatever, they knew that it was gold. It, it's 14 karat gold. Both of them are. So I paid $40 for the necklace, which is a little bit of a risk because herringbone as a style of necklace is not as popular now. Okay, yeah. so they don't sell as well as some other types of chains. They're also usually pretty lightweight because they're just not using, utilizing a lot of metal. And then the pendant is is marked 14K, paid $20 for that. So I'm $60 in, and I decided that I could maximize my sales value by putting them together. I could have sold them separately. And some a lot of times, actually more often than not, selling things separately and individually will yield you more money over time. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to sell it quick. I put I, I bought two items, sixty dollars, put it on, and in two days it sold for hundred and fifty dollars. Wow! So because it's it's wearable, it's not broken, it's not damaged, it's made of a fine material, and someone who wants to display a cross maybe has religious beliefs uh, and they want that to be a part of their jewelry and what they display on their body, or maybe it's a gift for somebody. There's all kinds of reasons why people buy jewelry, right? Not just for collecting, but for wearing. Well, it's kind of interesting, too, because you put it up and then two days later it sold, which means somebody was looking. It probably wasn't just happenstance that all of a sudden they were like, oh, hey, look, I'm just cruising through and there's this chain. I mean, they paid a a fair amount of money, so they were looking for jewelry, and you just happened to be putting up the jewelry they were looking for. That's right, and because I was able to buy them cheaply, uh, I could put them together, and I still stood to sell it or, or offer it for less money than the average one of a similar kind. So most of these are selling for 175 to $200. And if I'd waited three to six months, I would have sold it for that. But uh, I, I, we talked about this before, $50, $100 in my pocket today is worth more to me than $120 six months from now, because the different things I can do with that $100 to continue to build money in the next six months is worth way more to me, because I'm. it's not like I'm only sourcing one day a month. So getting that money in is great because later today or two days from now, I'm going to find something I want to buy and reinvest that money in, right? And so I need that. It's better for me to have that profit now rather than later. You've talked about the idea that so much of this stuff is just a calculation for, for individuals to say, oh, how much time do I want to carry this for? I mean, I suppose if you found something, you said, hey, if I hang on to this for six months, I'm going to make five grand and it's worth waiting on that. Yeah, as opposed to saying, hey, I could turn this around and make $500 today. That's the math. That's the calculus you're running in your head at all times. I mean, obviously, if you were a math, I mean, that's why big giant companies can keep lots and lots of inventory because they know eventually they will sell it. And it's a fixed cost. It's a sunk cost. But if you're a reseller and you're going out there and finding this stuff, you know, it's sort of incumbent on you to figure out how you want to do that. That's absolutely right. Yeah. And, you know, what are the numbers for me? I mean, everybody has different circumstances, different amounts of money at their disposal at different times. If you operate a business like I do, it's all about cash flow. What's coming in, what's going out. I also have to keep in mind that I have an automatic 30-day return policy. So Uh if I sell this gold necklace today uh, for $150, yes, I have $150, but I don't really have $150 for another 30 days. Right. Because on the 29th day, someone can say, hey, I don't think it's actually gold. (laughs) And it doesn't matter if they're right or not. They can send it back, and I, I'm obligated to to return their money to them. So I have to keep that in mind. Everything's a month out, at least, as far as money coming in. And so you have to know what your costs are, budgeting. I mean, I don't just do this for fun. This money goes to pay for things in my life. Yeah. And 
uh, I don't get to wait. I don't have a 30 to 60 day net on paying my mortgage right? or <laughs> other things like that. So I have to factor that in. You know, you find these things, the, the amount of money I'm willing to spend or whether I'm going to sell it quickly versus later, it has everything to do with what has already come in this month monetarily, you know, but I, I wanted to show these things. I sold several things this week. I could have shown you any of them, but the reason I really wanted to talk about these specific small items, because both of them, the one thing that they have in common is that they fit into the palm of my hand. Yeah. So they're tiny, they're tiny items. You can imagine how many hundreds or thousands of items similar to this that I could store in a very small amount of space that is at my home. So I don't have to pay for overhead for storage for things like that. But whenever I go to ship these, which is what I want to get into now, package them and send them out, fulfill the order, I'm going to need packing materials, right? Depending on what it is, it needs to be a box. There needs to be some sort of packing inside of it to keep it safe and and, and protected from being damaged. And then I got to buy a label or, or pay for it. Okay. So in my business, what has worked best for me is to purchase a little label printer that is a thermal printer. So it doesn't utilize ink. And all I have to do is buy the labels. It heats it up. It creates them. And I buy my postage through eBay because eBay has a connection or has like a business agreement with the U.S. Postal Service and others, FedEx or UPS. And so if I buy my postage through them, I actually get you know, anywhere from a 5 to a 40% discount on the postage by buying it through that platform. Wow. So that's just the label piece. And it shows you too, each time you do it, it's like you just saved 23%. So like not only did I, lose, I save the money, I also saved my time and my gas driving to the post office and standing in line and, and doing that. So that's actually not even what I wanted to talk about. That's just sort of like for your information. But items that I get, I would say 75 or more percent of the things that I sell, that I choose to buy and sell, are items that can fit in a six by six by six box or smaller. And most, even more often than a box that size, I'm selling things that can go in bubble mailers. And so I have a few examples I want to show you. These are, I always have these on hand. If I start to get low, I don't wait till they run out. I go get more because I know I'm going to need more of these. The, I'm going to show you the five uh, packages that I, that probably represent 80 or more percent of my fulfillment of my sales. Nice. So on, on the larger end, I have a box and this is actually a priority box. It's, uh, let's see if it says the dimensions on here. Yeah, it's um, seven, <laughs> well, it is 14 and seven eighths, <laughs> such a weird size, 14 and seven eighths inches by five and a quarter inches by seven and three eighths. You know, that had something to do with the way things are shipped though, right? Absolutely. How they, how they, what can they fit cubic, cubic, you know, yeah. feet or whatever inside of a truck. But they, these are called, they call them the shoe box. And so these are actually perfect for shipping shoes. In fact, earlier in my in my reselling world, I was I was buying and selling lots of shoes. I still do on occasion, but not as much. Pick up a pair of Donald Trump's shoes, and you can make millions from it. Oh, listen! I bought a <laughs> pair of Jordan ones uh, from 2015 that had been barely used for like twenty five dollars this week, and they you know brand new. They're one hundred and twenty dollars used in this condition. They're probably ninety five dollars. So that was a good thing. And you know what? I'm going to ship it in this box. This is the box. It's the priority box, so it goes quick in a couple of days. It easily fits in here. And it's never cost me more than $14 to ship something in this box, almost ever. So in my head, when I'm going out and finding a thing, I roughly see the size of it. I already know I have this box on hand. I already know what it's going to cost to ship. So that's a part of my financial ca calculation when I'm investing money and that sort of thing. 
So this is one, you can get these boxes for free because if you open up a free account on the U.S. Postal website, you can click through a variety of sizes of boxes that they will ship to you in groupings of 10, 20, 30, and you can order as many like section, you know, sets of those as you want. They give them to you for free because they're branded as priority. So if you want to use it, you have to pay a little bit more in your shipping costs in order to send it priority. Why do you want to send it priority? Is that so you've got insurance and different things with the box? Yeah, so it's a, it's a, you know, what makes the most sense for what the buyer wants? Do they want to get it quickly in two days? Are they willing to pay a little bit more to get that? Because see, I push my shipping costs oftentimes specifically for sh- priority stuff to the buyer. So I'm not just covering that cost. They're paying that 12 to $14 to get it to themselves quickly. And I didn't have to pay anything for the box, right? Because it was free. So that saves me on my end a little bit of money. That's for sort of the medium-sized things that I ship. I say medium-sized. I do ship some things that are quite large, but only when I know I can stand to make a large amount of profit off that because I don't like packaging things for 30 minutes <laughs> into one box. I mean, it's a lot of time. Sending you know, time a money. tractor. That's exactly, yeah, exactly. I mean, gosh, I, I have sent, I mean, I do, I do sell instruments, uh, guitars and things like that from time to time. And that's a large box, you know, that's going to be a 45 to $75 shipping cost. And so you have to factor that in. But the other ones that I use commonly are bubble mailers, and you can get these a variety of places, Amazon, Walmart, places like that. One is, is, um, it's an eight and a half inch by 11 inch. Okay. So it would be a number two. <laughs> they have numbered. Smaller ones are like a zero, and it goes up to six. I will be shipping this in the number two package. <laughs> but then I have a, a number zero, <laughs> right? six inch by nine inch. Okay, and that was the one I use the most. So these two pieces of jewelry I discussed today, they will be going in one of these. I can put them in a little plastic baggie. You can buy these by the thousands and thousands for basically pocket change. They don't cost hardly anything. That protects it. You put it in here, the bubble packing inside of this protects it even further it's out the door when i'm buying these depending on the size you know it's anywhere from 18 to 30 cents one like this one of these larger ones would be closer to 25 to 30 cents for me uh one of these would be the the zero would be 10 to 15 cents although i want to mention that recently while i was doing some work on some local things i was selling on facebook marketplace i came across a person who was selling boxes and boxes of bubble mailers anywhere from 100 in a box to 250 in a box, depending on the size, for very little money. I did the calculation, and if I were to buy a box of 250 from this guy, he was only charging $20. So that's going to cost me like $0.08, cents, which is great because I go to Walmart, it's going to cost me 15 to $0.20. Cents. Point is, I can buy 2500 or 2250 of these bubble mailers for $200, and I spend the $200 today, and that's enough bubble mailers to get me through two years of reselling items of this size that I typically do. So as long as I have the storage space for it, it makes total sense for me to pull the trigger on that. It's just, I got to drive over there and and pick it up from the guy. So I would say, if you're doing this kind of thing, there are ways and people out there who buy pallets, right? Their whole thing is they buy pallets of various things and they sell them off individually. Look around. You might have somebody locally that's selling these things for much cheaper than you can get them for retail. And that's a little food for thought there. Yeah, that's a good one because you think about anytime you buy in bulk, you save money. The problem is how do you keep it? Like those people that go to Costco and buy the four, 43 gallons of mayonnaise. Well, I mean, if you run a, a store or if you run a deli, that's great. If you don't, you might have a hard time getting. So doing the math on that is probably really important when you're talking about the business you're in. 
Yeah, you have to in any way. I mean, especially when I was starting out, it was like any way you can cut cost, any way at all is what you're needing to do. And I've been more relaxed on that as my business has grown, but like, why should I be? I, I still need to be checking and, and being as efficient as possible, but uh, it is important. The only other one thing I'm going to show you is something like this. It's called a poly bag. And I'm, I don't know if I'm recommending necessarily people use these because uh -oh. they're made kind of from plastic. I mean, it's, I don't, I don't love it. I don't want to be one of those people who's heavily contributing to the environmental issues out there of, of, of plastics and things that don't degrade. I do have some of these. I will say, so that's the that's the bad news. If you're using something with plastic, just know that it's going to be floating in the ocean before too too long and long after you're no longer living. So just keep that in mind. But um, the thing that they're good for is if you're shipping things like clothing, things that can fold up in or maybe odd shapes that aren't super breakable. These are great because it, you can get various sizes. I like to get larger sizes so that I can always put larger things in. But if it's smaller, I just fold it up on itself, put an extra couple pieces of tape, and I'm good. This is also nice for things like documents, which I might not have a good size box. Things that are a quarter of an inch deep, but they're maybe 14 inches long, 10 inches wide. Like that, It's hard to find boxes like that. But if I instead just take a couple pieces of cardboard, tape them over it so that it won't bend... I can slip it into this and that's a good way to ship it. And again, I'm, I'm paying three cents, two cents per bag on these when I buy them in the hundreds. You know, one thing that I do, and I'm not obviously a reseller, but you talked about like recycling, renewable. I mean, the, the giant Greenland sized plastic island in the middle of the Pacific. I, I find that, you know, I used to go out and buy the stuff if I shipped some, you know, we all ship things at certain points. I actually save almost every box I get that something shipped in. I flatten it out. I have a, I mean, I have storage for it, and I use them all the time. So I don't know if you do that yeah. or not. But is that something you would take in mind if you were a reseller? I mean, obviously you'd save money on it, but you also save on using it twice. That is, I'm really glad. I mean, you beat me to it. That's you were reading my mind. That is, if anything in this, I mean, I wanted to show people sizes and things. What I do in case they're wondering, but what I would heavily encourage people to do, and what I, I just gave you an example of something where I'm not doing that, right? <laughs> using a plastic bag, but. <laughs> but uh, what I really kill think the polar people bears, should do, Matt? yeah, yeah, this is a do as I say, don't do as I do situation, <laughs> sure, right? Sure. But go out. There are lots of places where businesses around you, uh, their product comes to their store in boxes. They take that product out, put it on a shelf, and then the box goes out back, and it's just waiting for the recycle trucks to come and get it. They don't care. If you come take a box or two of those, I swing by behind our local grocery store. I swing by behind local, like the, the Dollar General store, places like that. And I grab boxes all the time. No one says anything to me. They don't care. It's going to go and be recycled. Why not reuse it as it is? And you can even go into, if you have, say, a relationship with a business owner or someplace in town, in your town, go have a conversation and they might just give you like they might just give you boxes. You could have a standing order of coming and picking up things. I I think that that's great. I do that. You know, we live in this world now where almost anything's at your fingertips. If you want to buy it, you buy it from home, and it will arrive at your house the next day or two or three days from then. Use that box, save it, break it down so it's flat, easy to store, and then you know, pull it back up and ship it. I do that all the time. My wife uh, works in the in the health industry. And part of her job recently has been, except when equipment and things are ordered for different therapists, she gets it in and then disseminates it and gets it back out to them. Sometimes a small item comes in a big box. She just pulls that out, brings the item to them, 
I reuse that box. I would like to think that that I, you know, boxes, as long as they're not damaged, can be used half a dozen times. I mean, lots of times and, and should be if you have the the chance. I think that boxes can be used at least a half a dozen times if if it's not heavily damaged or something. Uh, you just pull the tape off or you just tape over the tape that was used. Selling things like vinyl records, for example, there's a very specific type of box that's ideal for uh, for selling vinyl records and shipping them. And, uh, you know, maybe a dozen times or more can those things be used because it's it's taped over just one spot. It's perfect for it. So I think a person getting started, uh, especially, could probably get away without buying hardly any boxes at all. I think that the thing that gets difficult is the packaging materials inside. Right. I prefer to use paper. As of, I don't like using bulb. I don't use peanuts. Get out of here with these silly peanut yeah, disgusting. Uh, things. Uh, I don't. I also don't want to use the the air bubble. The you know plastic because again it's plastic. So I I go to Walmart or places and I buy rolls of paper that are basically I want to say like three foot by three foot square and I just wad them up in a ball and that is as good as anything. You you can put a lot in there. It's cheap to buy it. Do you remember when there used to be these things called newspapers, Matt? You could actually use. Oh, yeah, uh, sure. It's past, it's a bygone <laughs> day. Hey, so one last thing before, and I don't know if yeah. you think about this, but or I know you think about this, but like for people that are listening. Oh, I think about it. I don't even know what you're going to say. <laughs> so I'm a, I'm a gear guy. You just bought a fancy new mic. It's amazing. So I buy gear. I never, ever throw away the gear box that it came in. And my wife's like, why do you have all these boxes? Because eventually I'm going to probably sell this gear. And it is always mm-hmm. more valuable to a person when it comes in its original box. I don't know why. Sure. It probably doesn't have anything to do with anything, but it's always, in fact, whenever I sell something, people are like, do you have the original box? So uh, just yeah. just something, if you have that, if you're buying stuff, if it's in the original box, just save the box. You're probably going to sell it at some point, if you can, if you have the space it for is, it. It's annoying. I get it. Like you look in your closet and you've had this little box in there for three years. You're like, why have I kept this box? What am I, a hoarder or what? But I do the same thing. It's, you know, anything like lots of stuff that I sell, buy and sell, jewelry, watches, things like that. Apple iPhones. Box. You always get a premium on the price if you have the original packaging in the original box because most people pitch that stuff. So I save it for two reasons. A, what I just mentioned, and B, I'm going to have something small I need to, pa- I need to ship, and I don't want to go out and spend $1.50 for a box when I could just hold on to this one. Yeah, so absolutely. I, I keep it. I reuse it. I encourage people to do the same. Cool. All right. Anything else you want to add before we run out of here today? I think the only thing I would add is that, you know, Easter is coming up. It's the next uh, big holiday. And so if you have items that are Easter oriented and don't want them, or maybe you got them with the intention of selling, you should be thinking about listing those now because items that have to do with particular holidays, the, um, the demand and the price that you'll get for that is highest just before, during, and just after that holiday. So postcards, for example, I'm listing lots of Easter postcards. I'm holding on to ones for other holidays later, like Christmas Christmas postcards aren't going to go out until November. Not totally, like I'll, I'll sell some. But the point is, if you have things oriented around this time that, that are specific to this time of year, get them out because you're going to maximize your profit. Absolutely. And at this time of year, it's always helpful to subscribe, uh, write a comment, tell a friend, help us out at the What Sold podcast. We greatly appreciate it. Apple podcast reviews are fantastic. So take a second. If it's helpful Mm. to you, I know it sounds really silly, but it really truly does make a difference because people like trust other listeners. So if you you like what we're doing, write write a post. Otherwise, we will see you with a new show 
depending on if this drops on a Thursday, you'll see us on Tuesday or on Tuesday on Thursday. But anyway, have a great rest of your week and weekend, and we will talk to you soon. Take care.